Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, we, um, we started this message, and I wasn't sure if we are going to get through it, and we didn't. But we saw a very important reminder. We saw that Jacob was standing before Pharaoh and basically confessing that he had spent his short life, which his life was 130 years, um, we know. He, but in his eyes, it was, it was a short life, and he had spent it on evil. That was basically the summary of his life. He had wasted his life. It was short to him. It was a, a pilgrimage that he had, he, had, he had been on, and he had wasted it on evil. One of the things we've seen in Jacob's life, which is Joseph's father, is that he spent his life on selfishness. He's been self-centered. He's been self-serving. Jacob has been out for Jacob. Matter of fact, his name Jacob means trickster. God changed it to Israel, um, but he has been serving himself. He's taken advantage of the grace of God and not, I mean, he's taken it for granted, and he's not taken advantage of the opportunities that God has extended grace to him. And uh, again, he's wasted his life, wasted God's grace so many times. And while he has some time, time left, as he's standing before Pharaoh, uh, he doesn't know that. Jacob doesn't know that he's got a, a little bit more time left. He, all, for all he knows, he could be in front of Pharaoh and then die that very same day. So at, the, at, at this, this conclusion of his life, in his mind, he's wasted his life on self-serving, selfishness, of self-centeredness, evil things, abused the grace of God, wasted the grace of God away, and here he is. He's done. He's over with. You and I have the ability to look back on his life and say, well, he's got some more time left. He's, he's standing before Pharaoh thinking that his life's over and, and he's wasted it on evil, but he actually has some time left. But we have that privilege of being able to read the history and see that's the case in his life. The reality and the application for us today in our lives today is that the story, our testimony, right now, our lives, they're still being written. They're still being recorded in God's records. So right now, today, we have the opportunity to continue to write a story to, to God's glory, of God's grace, of not wasting our years, of not spending on our self-centeredness, not spending on on. On, on, on selfishness, not spending it on, uh, me and, again, Brother Tony, we were talking this morning um, about uh, those, those things that entice us in the world. What was the line in that? Hey, we throw up that, the, that song? I know this is out of the ordinary. That last song, that last praise song that we sang, can you throw that up on the screen? Yeah, go, to the, go to the next one, the next verse, next one. <clears throat> Next one. No, go back. <laughs> you go back. There you go. So, look at that third line. All the vain things that charm me most. All the vain things that charm me most. I sacrifice them to his blood. So again, we're so easily distracted in our life. We're so easily pull, pulled off course. Again, Rochelle just sang the song, Lord, keep me in your will because I don't want to be in your way. But so many times I think that we go running and chasing after things that are vain and we end up missing the point of, of making an impact for God's kingdom, of really 
using and, and taking advantage of the grace of God to his glory and, and not misusing and abusing it and taking it, taking it for granted like we see with Jacob. And so again, that's why the life point we saw last week is so important for us uh, to, to apply in our lives. It was this, life is short and we should redeem every opportunity to glorify God. Life is short and so we should redeem every opportunity we have in life to glorify God. Because while Jacob was 130 years old, as, as he saw it was short, our lives tend to be even shorter than 130 years. If, and that's a big if, if we make it to that point in our life where we die of natural causes at an old age, the reality is we still only have a few years in the scope of, of eternity. That's the truth. I only have a few years left on this earth. You only have a few years. Even if it's another 20 or 30, if you talk about in the scope of eternity, it's just a few more years that we have here. A short amount of time. And so we should be looking to redeem every opportunity for the glory of God. So we ask some questions in light of this truth. Some, some evaluation questions of who we're really living for. Some, some things to, to really challenge ourselves. And so if you claim to be a child of God, if you claim to be, claim to be a Christ follower, if you claim to be a Christian uh, this morning, if you're confident that you're going to heaven when you die, if that's you, these questions are vital. Because one day we're going to stand before the king, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the life that he's given to us, what he's entrusted us with, the years that we have, the family that we have, the relationships, the, res the resources, the opportunities to redeem for his glory. We're going to stand and give an account before him. And so the questions were this. I'm going to run through them. You have them there in your notes. Do you make decisions based on how they represent God and his kingdom? Is that how you make decisions in your life? Number two was do you uh, make decisions based on how they all advance God's cause? Or when you're making decisions, are you looking how things will benefit you? Again, the question is, who are you really living for? Number three, do you, more often than not, do what God calls and commands, even if you have to sacrifice? That's a, that's a difficult question to answer. Do you, do you, more often than not, say, I'm going to do this, even though I really want to do this, even if it means in my mind I'm actually sacrificing, which we've talked about before. Let's, let's be honest about what we really consider a sacrifice. Because we're sitting in a comfortable chair this morning in an air-conditioned building. We really don't have a whole lot, I believe, to say that is truly sacrifice. But in our minds, in our comfortable, plush, com you know, uh, well-taken-care-of lives that we live, oftentimes when it comes down to those things that, that, that charm us most, those vain things that charm us most, we, we get pulled to those things and we say, well, I, I guess I better do this because I'm a Christian. I, I should be doing this, and, and I'm going to sacrifice this. It's vain. <laughs> Well, that's not really sacrifice. Number four, do you see your life as a vessel, an instrument, a soldier that God wants to use for his glory? How do you view your own life? You know, that's a big, who are you living for? Because if you view yourself as a vessel, an instrument, a soldier of the cross, a soldier of the kingdom of God, if you view yourself like that, then you live your life a little bit different. Number five, do you place God and the things of God as priority over your flesh and over the things of the world? Again, who are you truly living for is the question. And so these evaluations, do you place the things of God and God, his stuff, him, as priority above everything that you want and deem as important and everything the world says that you should deem as important? 
And finally, number six, do you look for ways to further God's kingdom? So many times we just get up, we live our lives, we go to our jobs, we do our activities, we have our hobbies, we do our stuff, and we're not really thinking on a day-to-day basis how I can actually help God's kingdom advance, how I can add, uh, uh, be, be used to see people added to the kingdom of God. I, I, that's how we go about our lives because we're in this world driven by commerce and money and greed and, and selfishness and, and, and all these things, and, and it's easy to just get swept up in, in, the, in that tidal wave and forget, man, we're here for God's purpose and glory. So every day we should be getting up and saying, okay, how, how can I be used today to further God's kingdom? God, give me an opportunity. God, open my eyes. God, help me witness to somebody. Help me invite somebody. Help me be used in, in some eternal significant purpose. Not just a temporal vain wasting away of my life in this world. And so if you're here and you're confident that you're going to heaven when you die, those questions should challenge you. But if you're here this morning, you're not quite confident that you're going to heaven when you die. You're not sure that heaven's going to be your eternal home. These questions give to you a little bit of a proposition. They give you an opportunity. They give you an opportunity that might not be here tomorrow. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning a little bit further. Let's pray and we'll look at that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity again, to be here to worship you. Thank you for what we've already experienced. And I pray now for the next several minutes that you'll be glorified, that your word is preached, that our hearts would be both encouraged and challenged, convicted, um, whatever is needed in each of our lives. God, you, you do that work. Lord, I, I'm only a recipient of your grace, only uh, someone that, that you use. It's not me at all. It's completely you. And so right now, that's what we're asking is that uh, I would just speak the things that you want spoken, uh, that anything that's of me would be held back and that all of you uh, would flood out into this place. And God, we would pray uh, that if there is somebody here uh, that's lost, that they're not quite sure that heaven's going to be their home when they die, God, help them make that decision today before they leave and uh, help them see the, 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 the urgency of making that decision today. And we'll praise you for all you do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, last week we saw that we're not gaining days, we're not gaining time, we're losing it. Uh, I talked about how uh, my girls yesterday, they were just born, and uh, I blinked, and then I have one starting high school. Um, next week, not this week, but next week, right? <laughs> don't, don't, don't put her in school too soon. But um, the, uh, the other one starting sixth grade, again, we, we talked about how fast time just rolls on, how fast it goes. Um, man, it just, it, 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 it does not slow down, and we're losing time, not gaining time. But as well as the sobering side of that, there's also an exciting aspect of it, at least for the Christian. For those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's exciting the fact that we're losing time because we know that that day is getting even closer, that we actually get to see our Lord face to face. Amen. I, I am so excited. We, we, that was in one of the songs that we sang this morning. Oh, man. I cannot wait to, to uh, be there, to see our Lord face to face. I mean, I, I may only get to see him for a half a second before I'm fat, flat on my face. <laughs> but, man, I just cannot wait to see him. I can't wait to, um, again, we were talking this morning and uh, talking about being in God's Word and going deeper and, and, and having a more significant and, and, and uh, 
an abiding relationship. And I, I was sharing with Brother James, I said, that's why, that's why it makes a little more sense that John the Apostle wanted to just lean into Jesus' bosom. That's why I think it was so impactful to, to, hear the, to, to, to read the story of Mary and Martha, how Mar- uh, Martha just wanted to sit at his feet. And they knew what it was to be in the presence of the Lord. Again, so for us who are saved, one day, that day's coming quicker. And it's quicker. It's coming quicker. We're going, to, we're going to be in the presence of our Lord. So it's exciting. But as I said, it's also sobering because time is indeed running out. It's running out for us who are saved to tell those who aren't saved that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I've got some friends, I've got some neighbors, I've got some, uh, I've, I've got some family members that I'm not positive that they're going to heaven when they die, and, and that time is running out for them. I said earlier when I was praying, if you're here this morning and you're not sure that heaven's going to be your home when you die, time's running out for that decision to be made. You're not gaining time, you're losing time. See, if we, don't, if we don't tell those people who are lost that they need to make that decision to trust Christ for salvation today, the reality is they could die and open their eyes and start the beginning of an eternity in a place that God set aside and designed for his enemy, Satan. He, see, if somebody is in this room today and, and you've not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not surrendered, you've not turned your life over to Him, trusting Him alone for salvation, the reality is if you die today, if you leave this place without trusting Christ for salvation, you leave this place and you, God forbid if this happens, but if you do, and say for instance you get in a car accident and you die today, The reality is the moment that you close your eyes in death, you will open them in eternity. And if you don't have Christ as your Savior and your Lord, those eyes will open into an eternal place of torment. It will never end. There'll never be a break. There's no hope of of a break. It's it forever. You don't get a second chance. That's it. And so that's why the, this is such an important thing. And so that's why it's such an important thing for us as the people of God to not waste our lives away on vain things uh, that, that charm us, that pull us away from the will of God and the work of God. It's so important for us to, to live soberly, as the Bible says, because the day is approaching. We know that it's so, easily, it's so easy for us to get distracted, though even for us as as Christians. Great distraction happen every day. Distractions from the great privilege we have in telling others about Jesus Christ. Think about that. It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest news that we've ever had. And we have this great privilege of sharing it with those who need to hear it. But how how many times, I know, I'll confess right here, there's so many times that I have good intentions that I get distracted from telling people about Jesus Christ. I mean, it may be in a, in a public place, it may be in a private conversation, and, and the conversation ends up going a different direction, and, and I never bring it back to, to where I wanted to, to, to take it in the first place. And, and so again, it, we, we get so easily distracted. 
from this great privilege of telling other people. Oftentimes, I put this in your notes, we're so distracted and enamored with furthering our desires and agendas. Our ambitions and causes here in this world, we're so distracted by that. And, and, and let me say this, not all of those things are sinful or bad, right? There's, it's not necessarily bad to have a hobby. It's not necessarily sinful uh, to have uh, something you enjoy doing or things, places you like going. But we sometimes get so distracted with those things that we're not even looking for the opportunities to redeem for God's glory. We're not even thinking about those things. So we go and we do this thing. We go and we, 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 we have this activity. We have this hobby. We have this, this place. We have these uh, things we do. Whatever. I mean, whatever it is, there's so many things that, that uh, can distract us in this world. And, and we get so enamored with those things. We get so uh, in, in, engulfed in those things that to redeem an opportunity for God's glory is not even on our radar. It's not even our mind. We're just right there doing what we want to do. And again, there's, there's nothing wrong with having hobbies or vacation places or, the, or, or things you like to do. Again, there's blessings in this world that God has given us. The Bible says that we're supposed to enjoy those things, but never at the sacrifice of the kingdom of God, ultimately. <clears throat> so this morning, I think we need to be reminded about the brevity of our lives. We need to be reminded that our lives indeed are short. And, and, and as I said, we're not only running out of time, but we don't know how much time we have left. So to say, I, I, okay, next year I'm going to devote more to God. Or next month I'm going to do this. Or, or this is what I'm going to do. To, to, to look to some future unknown, unguaranteed time to redeem for the glory of God is very foolish. And I think presumptuous as well. And so... Let's be reminded about the reality of every single one of our lives in this room. I don't care if you're 80 years old or you're 8. I don't care if you're, you're, you're 400 or 40. These, this is what the Bible says about our lives. In Job chapter 14, verse 1, man who is born of woman is a few days. He didn't say a few years. He said a few days. Because again, when we look at the, the, the broader scope of eternity, that's the way our lives look. Just mere days. Man is born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. We know that. He comes out like a flower, but then withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. That's how our life is. Job was a man who knew what it was to have trouble. Job was a man who knew what it was to, the, uh, to, to know how, how really short life is, having his family taken away from him, everything that he had taken away from him in, in, in instance like that. And so for him to say, you know what? The reality of all of man's life is that we're just few of days. We appear for a little bit, and then we, and then we go away in this world. Psalms chapter 90, similar, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, 80 years old maybe. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So here, listen to what it says. So teach us to number our days. Teach, teach us to take account of the days that we have, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalms, I mean, Proverbs 27, a very familiar scripture, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. 
Don't say, well, tomorrow I'm going to take care of this, or tomorrow I'll get things right with God. Tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll witness. Tomorrow I'll, I'll do that. No. Don't boast about what you're going to do tomorrow. We have right now. We have the opportunities to redeem right now. James chapter 4, again, another very familiar scripture, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such city, and then we're going to spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Listen to what James says. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, if it's God's will for me to see tomorrow, then we'll live and we'll also do this or that. Again, that's just an acknowledgement that our lives are in the hand of God, that, that he knows that day that we leave this earth. He knows the number of our days. And so we should take account of the days that we have and, and really look to redeem them for the glory of God because, again, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed to say to see next year, to say, you know what, uh, you know, at, at the new year, I'm going to commit to God to doing this. We don't know that we're going to see next year. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed for, uh, for through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So all, all, all of our lives are like that. They, they appear for a little bit, and then they go away. But the word of the Lord remains forever. This, the word, this word is the good news that was preached to you in Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Look carefully. Pay attention to how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Listen to what verse 16 says. Making best use of your time, or redeeming the time. Making best use of your time, because the days are evil. We know that. Watch the news. Look what's going on. We know it's getting worse and worse. So we, as the people of God, need to make sure that we're using our days to the glory of God. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, the will of the Lord is. Now, although Jacob had maybe missed so much, again, looking at his 130 years so far, saying, you know what, I've, I've wasted my life. Maybe he had missed so much. The truth is right there before Pharaoh. He didn't know this, but Jacob had an opportunity here at the end of his life. He had the opportunity. He had wasted it on himself, wasted it on tricking people, wasted it on self-serving, selfishness, all those things. He had an opportunity right here in his life. Now, the opportunity was not to go back and redo what he had messed up. That wasn't the opportunity he had. What the opportunity that Jacob had was, was that he could actually do with every day that he had left. He couldn't redo, but he could do with every day he had left what was pleasing and glorifying to God. He had an opportunity. Again, he didn't know that. He come to this, he come to this kind of audit, if you will, of his life as he's standing before this foreign king and he says, I've lived a short life. My pilgrimage has been short, and it's been evil. I've done, I've done wrong. And, but what he didn't know is right this moment, he could actually start redeeming those, those days that he had left for God's glory. And so the life point this morning, it's not too late for you to glorify God with your life right now.
it's not too late for you. Maybe you say, yeah, it is. I, I've lived my life like you were talking about Jacob. I've lived my life selfishly. I've lived my life uh, on how it would, it would benefit me. I've lived my life on what I want to do. I've lived my life like this. Okay, you've done that. You can't go back and redo it. Just like Jacob couldn't. I can't go back and redo, redo the things that I wish I could redo. I can't do it. You can't do it. We can't do that. It's over. Those days are gone. Those years are gone. It's over. But right now you're sitting here at Trinity Baptist Temple. You're sitting there in that seat. I'm standing here on the stage. And we have the time we have right now. And it's not too late. You say, I oh, mean, I've wasted so much time. I've known better and I just haven't done it. Well, start doing it. Don't wait tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next month. You have right now, right now, to glorify God with your life. And it's not too late. You still have it. You're still here. You still have this chance right now. And you, maybe you're like Jacob and you only have a short amount of time left because that's what Jacob had. But we don't know that. We don't know how much time we have left. All I know is this. If I haven't been redeeming the time for the Lord for the last several days, several weeks, several months, several years, if that's the testimony in my life, and today was the day that I left this world to go meet the almighty God of all creation, I would want to have taken this opportunity and this service to make sure everything was right on the inside and the outside. I would want to make sure, you know what, I, I got things straight before I had that opportunity to stand before him. I, I didn't wait. I didn't think I would have more time left. I've redeemed the moment that I had, and the moment is right now. Maybe you say, I'm like Jacob, and that I, I, I did wa I've wasted my life on evil. If you're here this morning, that's how you feel about your life. Today, that can change. Today, that can change. I've wasted. I've tried. I've tried. I've done this. I, I've committed this. I've done that. I've done this. And, and it can change today. That's the beauty of God's grace. That's the beauty of God's mercy. He said, no, not for me. It's, it's too late for me. Wrong. I'm telling you, you're wrong. I've said it many times before. The very fact that you're sitting there and, and air is still filling your lungs is evidence and proof that God's not done with your life. Amen. He's not done with you. Yeah. And so you have the moment right now, you say, well, I don't, I don't feel like that, though. I, I feel like God's done with me. I feel like I've missed the opportunity. I feel like it's over for me. Again, there's air pumping into your lungs and blood pumping throughout your body, and that, those things are testaments that it's not too late. I can't tell you tomorrow. I, I can't say tomorrow may be too late. But I can tell you right now, it's not too late. Right now. I heard a sermon this week, talked about the joy that was set before Christ. How that joy can be ours even in the greatest of trials, the darkest of times. The joy that, that Christ had as he looked at the cross, the shame that, that was set before him, the, the, the pain and the torment, the bearing of all of mankind's sin for all of mankind, the joy he had was the fact that he would rise and that he would have a people, a church, that would trust him, 
that too would rise, would be a part of the resurrection, that would be with him forever. It's the same joy the preacher talked about that Paul and Silas had in a very bleak moment in their life. A moment that Paul and Silas in the, in the book of Acts we see could have said, you know what, this is the end of our lives. What are we going to do? Let's just, you know, we've tried to, to live our lives for the Lord and this is where it's got us. They could have had a pity party. They could have given up. They could have said, uh, we, we don't know what else to do. In a very bleak moment, maybe with just a little bit of time left in their life, what did they do with it? What did they do with the very little time that they had left? Look at Acts chapter 16. I'm almost done. Acts 16, verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage uh, to uh, Samothrace uh, uh, to the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed to, uh, suppose there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and we spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of good, purple goods, who was a whisperer of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful, Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So they, she, she continued to ask them, You need to come to my house and stay. As we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a slave girl, listen to what happens, who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So here's the picture. You've got this, this lady whose life was changed. She wants to be a blessing to Paul and Silas and, and their missionary team. And now as they're moving forward, they run into this, this slave girl and she's possessed. And she has, uh, she has the spirit of divination in her and she tells fortunes. She has men, she has owners that have her and use her to get money because of her fortune telling look what happens she followed paul and us crying out these men are servants of the most high god who proclaim to you the way of salvation and this she kept doing for many days now sadly there are many pastors many evangelists that would love and do love this type of adulation People fall, oh, they're wonderful, you just fondling, over, you know, uh, frolicking over them. I don't know if frolicking or fondling is the right word. But, but going on and on about their, you know, how wonderful these, these men are. But look what Paul does. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it, and it came out that very hour. But that, that wasn't very good news for the owners, right? Because they were making money off of this girl. When her owner saw that their hope of gain, of money, was, was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. That made them a little mad, Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Uh-oh. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they're disturbing our city. Remember, this is a Roman city. These men are Jews that are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore their ga the garments off of them and then gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison, the dungeon, and fastened their feet, feet in stocks. Well, that, that doesn't sound like a, a great reward for serving God. <laughs> you know, they did something right, and now they're in prison. And now they're not only in prison, they're in a dungeon with their feet in stocks. They're not going. We're very hopeless seeming situation. Very, uh, a situation that I think most modern Christians today, especially American Christians today, would say, 
Why me, God? Why are we going through this? Why am I going through this? But look what happens in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Not having a pity party, not complaining, not, not griping, not, not saying, God, why us? We've tried to serve you. We, not doing any of that, but at, at their, their darkest, they obviously had to be exhausted. Maybe the rhetorical question or the, the question they had, is this our last hour? Is this the last moment we have on earth? Is this how it's going to end for us that we have tried to do God's will? Now we're in prison. Now we're in stocks. We've been humiliated, beaten. Let's sing. <laughs> what a way to redeem the opportunity. What a way to say, you know what, we're going to choose joy. We're going to choose joy in this moment because we have joy. We have the joy of the Lord. We have the joy of the resurrection. We have the joy that Jesus had when he looked at the cross and saw the resurrection and saw his church. We have that same joy. And so they chose joy and they sang hymns and, and God was doing something through their choosing of joy. Look what he was doing. The prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors of the prison were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke, he saw the prison doors were open. He drew a sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Make my day. Right? Because... That's how some of us would feel. You've beaten me. You've humiliated me. You've thrown me in prison. I've not done anything to you. You've done all these things. So you know what? Go ahead and kill yourself. No, Paul cried out, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour in the night and washed their wounds and was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up to his house and set food before them, rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, this is what happens here, the magistrates sent police. The magistrates made sure they went to prison, the innermost prison, feet in stock. The magistrate, you know what, uh, go ahead and, and, and send the police down there, let those men go. The jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. It's all good, you can go quietly, just, just leave. Paul said to them, no, 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 no. They beat us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. Uh-oh, it's a Roman city. These men were beaten and thrown in prison without a fair trial, which Roman citizens had rights to. Oh, no. <laughs> Look what Paul says. And you've thrown us into this prison... And do they now throw us out secretly? They did this all in public. They made us, they embarrassed us. They, they beat us. They threw us in prison. They were on their high horses. And now they just want to let us secretly go. Look what Paul says. No. <laughs> no. Let those guys come down themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. And they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. And they came out and apologized to them. Listen, guys, we made a mistake, you know. They took them out, asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And they had seen the brothers. They encouraged them and they departed. But here, here's the thing. How, how could Paul, why would Paul and Silas have this joy in such dark circumstances? 
Again, possibly the end of their lives. Here they are in prison. Here they are in stocks. The reason why, how they could, is they had resurrection joy. They knew that even if that was the end, it wasn't the end. They had resurrection joy. They had the joy of the Lord. The joy that James says to have, that we are supposed to have when we fall into different trials that Jesus had, as I said a while ago, before the cross. Therefore, in that moment, they redeemed that opportunity. Even in stocks. See, what we don't really, what, maybe you didn't read into this, but I, it's there. Even with their feet in stocks, even before that, having been stripped of their clothes, what the Bible said, publicly. I'm not up for that. I don't know how many of you are in here up for that. Publicly in, in the marketplace, their clothes were stripped off of them. How embarrassing. How humiliating. And then once they were, they were, their, their clothes were stripped from them, they were, they were beaten on their naked skin. Humiliating, embarrassing, painful. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's nobody in this room that's in that situation. There's no doubt there's some that are in great trials, and I'm not trying to minimize the trial you're going through. No doubt. It's, it's real and it's difficult. But a lot of us in here are living a very blessed life. And we're free to redeem opportunity and time for the Lord. Nothing's forcing us. We have the opportunity. We have the time right now. What if this moment right now, this morning, was the moment that God ordained for you? God ordained for Trinity Baptist Temple to redeem. Decide it now. No more wasted days. No more chasing after vain charms. Decide it now. No more missed opportunities. Today we, we determine to redeem the time. Today we say, you know what? Time is running out. Jesus is coming soon because he said so. Even 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, in Revelation 22, he said unto me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of spirits, of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Listen, and look, he says, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Listen, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sins, you've never turned to him, realizing that God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sins. He was put in a grave, and three days later, he did rise again. He was seen by many witnesses. He was seen by, by 500 brethren at one time. It's recorded in history. It's real. It happened. The resurrection. Jesus is alive. Amen. He did that all for you. Because up to that point, there were sacrifices being made in the sacrificial system that were never sufficient. It's called the Old Covenant. It's what we have recorded here as the Old Testament. That's what word, Testament Covenant. That covenant wasn't sufficient. And so Jesus came to, to be the sacrifice once and for all, the writer of Hebrews says, to make, a, make an atonement, to make payment for the sins of all mankind once and for all. Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. And if you've never said, you know what, I believe that, I trust that, I surrender to him. You've never said, I want, I want my sins forgiven. I want a relationship with you. I want to go to heaven. I'll confess you as my Lord. If you've never done that, 
This morning is the time that you need to redeem because tomorrow is not promised. But if you have that personal relationship with him already, if you're a member of this church even more, man, we have an opportunity right now. We have an opportunity if the Lord wills in front of us to redeem and see God do the miraculous among us. I don't know about you, I desire that. I, I, want, I, I don't want my life wasted on, on uh, vain charms. I, I don't want my, my life wasted on distractions that are meaningless. Because when it's over, it's over. There's no com- coming back. There's no redoing. This is what we have right now. Let's redeem it for the glory of God. Let's redeem it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And and I pray that we do redeem this opportunity. Lord, that we wouldn't leave this place the same way that we came. Or maybe there there are some in this room that have been very distracted with with things in this world, not thinking really a thing about you and your kingdom. I pray that your, your word, your spirit will move in their life and just remind them this morning about the importance of eternity the importance of of living and redeeming the times because the days are evil. Lord, help us to to glorify you with the time we have. And Lord, please, if there's somebody here that's lost, maybe they don't know what to do, how to do it, they want to go to heaven when they die, but they just don't know what it takes, Lord, I pray you'd move them this morning and they they would come down to this altar this morning. They would talk to somebody here and say, I want to be saved. Just like that Philippian jailer, he, he said, what do I have to do to be saved? I pray if somebody's here that they would do the same thing. You would move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.